You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody voucher Ain't no more excuses valid, get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant Yo, 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 welcome back to the greatest show on earth, the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier, and today I got another live episode for y'all. But before we get into it, I would like to advise all the watchers and listeners to please subscribe, leave that five-star rating, review, share, like, comment, all those things. We're trying to run those numbers up so you guys could do that. I would greatly appreciate it. And getting right into the show, because y'all already know I'm not I'm not too fond of the small talk. I like to get right to it. So today I got a very special guest, man. I got a serial entrepreneur that's killing it, going crazy. I've been hearing amazing things about him, so I had, I had to have him on the show. And his name is Ryan, Ryan Stuman. Welcome to the show, bro. What's up, X? How are you, man? Oh, great, man. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank so. you for, for pulling up and coming to chop up with me for a while for, for our listeners. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you met me outside, too. This place is huge. I thought I was going to be walking for hours <laughs> to try to figure out where you were at. It's intimidating. So as I walked out the door, I seen you. I said, man, that's perfect, man. None, none, none too, much, too many things better than that, man. So, so getting right into it for the people... They may have been under a rock. They just not paying attention to what's going on in the world. They might not be aware of you. This could be their first time seeing you or hearing of you. Do you mind just giving some background on yourself to let the people know who you are? Because I know from doing my research, you have a very interesting story. Yeah, like the brief version so we don't waste the whole show, right? <laughs> and you always, if you want more details, you guys can always Google it. But, you know... When I was uh, seven years old, I was adopted. When I was 15, I dropped out of school and left my parents' house, uh, my adopted parents. Um, I left their house. By the time I was 19, I overdosed on drugs. By the time I was 21, I was serving time in seven different prisons, I believe. Then I got out and got my life and got my shit together, you know, mm -hmm. and became uh, started working in the real estate world and became a loan officer and became successful but anybody could become successful back in the subprime boom just being real you right, know what right, i mean right, right. but became you know successful in the sense make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and then you know start multiple six figures a year almost made a million dollars a year and uh man the cops i was selling drugs again really so they raided my house and i don't have any drugs in my house because i'm making banking money i don't have to sell drugs right and so uh but they found a gun and the gun had uh at the time, Biden was like the House Speaker. He wasn't. He wasn't the president back oh, then. He was cracking down on that. And shit. so he was he, just like he is now. Right. He was all about the gun thing. And mm -hmm. uh, there was this thing called the Brady Bill. And if you had a high capacity magazine with seventeen rounds in it, you were only allowed to have ten rounds. But like, who who gives you this this notice? You know what I mean? It's not right. like when they pass now. They pass a law. You go on Google or they or social media gives you an alert. Back then, it's like you don't know if you miss Fox News that night. You don't know that they passed a law banning different 
different sales of different mm. things. You know what I mean? Like it, it, information didn't flow like it did now. And again, that doesn't mean right, that I was crazy. in the right and I'm not making excuses right, for it. Right, but right, here right. I am minding my own business with a real job, uh, no drugs, no nothing illegal. Cops come in and instead of saying, oh, man, man, we made a mistake. There's not even a sandwich bag in this place. They're like double down on being dicks. You know what I mean? And, and I beat the case. And the state case, and then they turn me over to the ATF, and oh, and apparently, again, these are rules that you don't know. In Texas, after you do your time, you can own guns again. You know that's your rights. You get all your civil rights back. Really? Ship, but the FBI and the ATF don't acknowledge that. So, so states' rights supersede federal rights until. So it's just like marijuana. You know what I mean? Like you can grow there. As a matter of fact, I got land in Oklahoma, and there was a grow operation there next to me, totally legal in the state. The yep. DEA raided it. You think like, you know, you get big enough, they come after you no matter what, because it's not federally legal. So you grow all the pot that you want. The DEA says that you, they're coming for you. They're coming for you. There's nothing you can do because they never said it was legal. Oklahoma said it's legal, so you can grow it there. But the DEA has jurisdiction over the whole country. So same thing happened to me with the Holy ATF. Shit. And they, Dude, and people fall victim to this all the time. And, you know, by the way, the weed thing, Joe Biden said, well, people shouldn't be in jail for simple possession of weed. When they raid your shit like that, they don't give you possession of weed. They give you trafficking, conspiracy, right, 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 wire right. fraud. Like, mm -hmm. there's, it's all a, a farce, right? And so, um, and not just picking on that president, on any president that says that shit, it's, it's bull. So anyway, I go in. The ATF, they don't lose, so they you got to make a deal with them, you know, and, and they wanted me to snitch on people. I don't even have a drug dealer, and I'm buying from who, <laughs> who I'm going to snitch with. Right. And so they said, uh, go and buy guns from people with gun shows, and, we'll let, you and we'll let you off. I'm like, you want me to go buy guns from people with more guns that are going to wind up in maybe the same jail that I'm going to? Man, just give me my fucking time. You know, I've already been before, so like whatever, right, right. you know. And so I signed for them. They dropped the charge down to interstate f firearms trafficking, which, again, the shit was sitting on the counter in my house, you know. But, but since it was a Glock, it was, it was manufactured in Tennessee, I think they said. And since it traveled to Texas, it was a, a federal any Some bullshit, some right? Crazy shit, right? Usually what they do is they get you with, with, with – when they can't get you with nothing else, they go wire fraud. Right. And then, like, you, then the juries, the juries are dumb. They, they're just regular people. They don't even know what a wire is or, or what wire – they win. That's just their little game. So this case, it was that. I signed for it to 15 months, got out. While I'm in there, I lose everything, man. The, in 2000 and uh, five, I made 700 grand, 2007, I'm walking into prison. And by the end of two, this July, by the end of 2007, I walked, uh, my wife had left me, divorced mm. me, sold my properties, ran off with this, this dude. I didn't know, but I knew who he was. And, uh, like literally came out in 2008 with nothing. So like, imagine, you know, I don't like had nothing, got something right had nothing went to prison had even worse than nothing got something, got something. then got it taken away from me and then expected to have this woman looking out for me while i was in there she left within a couple of months i didn't even have that damn long but you're gonna do a year <laughs> shit you know <laughs> and it's not like i got 20 right. years or a life so i'm gonna be gone for a, a year, year bitch anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so this impatient motherfucker leaves right and and the bottom line is I get out, I got nothing. I got $25 to my name, and I got to go live in a halfway house for like three weeks to try to figure out how I'm going to get a job and shit, right? And so I finally, you know, I get this, I get a job back in finance. A friend of mine hooked me up. You know, it's hard to convince a bank that's like, listen, I know what I'm fucked up twice. Right. But I'm not going to do it a third yeah, time, right? I mean, it was hard. 
uh, the place that I worked for, they wouldn't give me my job back, you know, and because, uh, I mean, I had to go in and resign and tell them, like, why are you quitting, man? Why You're like quit? the top producer. I'm like, well, I'm going to prison. <laughs> like, you know, it's not, it doesn't look good on yeah, HR, you know, so no, anyway, get out and start doing it good again. You know, the world was falling apart. It was a subprime meltdown in the, in the real estate world and all that in 2008, and 10. But I'm still managing to make, you know, a quarter million dollars or so a year on a W-2 working for the bank in sales. And in 2010, old Sneaky Joe came back. Mm -hmm. And this time with Obama, he was vice president, and he, and he passed something called the Dodd-Frank Act. And uh, Dodd-Frank Dodd protected people from all this financial. So basically, it just made the banks too big to fail. That's all. And it took regulation from the states. The feds have a – when you've been in my situation these many times, you pay attention. You know, to you shit, pay right? attention to it. I'm right. speaking from experience, not theory, right? right. But, but what happens is the feds eventually are trying to take everything from the states so there is no states' rights, right? So the, the idea for this country, uh, I believe, it, from the powers that be, isn't to have us like a Europe where Texas is a country and Oklahoma, it's where there's just – one superpower right. like China, right? right? China's really the model they're trying to go through here. And so that right. being said, the feds are taking over stuff. You know what I mean? So they took, so used to get a state license from the state of Texas, right? Which I live in Texas. Texas has been good to me. You know what I mean? But I the feds Texas. keep getting on my damn nerves, right? So, <laughs> so then the feds step in. Texas doesn't issue license anymore. The feds say we're issuing all licenses now. That was part of Dodd-Frank. Since I'm a felon, even though I have nothing to do with finance, since I'm a felon, they won't let me uh, write loans anymore. So think about this. Like, you know, I got one thing going for me in life, the ability to make money through real estate. Right. And then they just took that too. Like, man, what the fuck? You know, like really I'm over here to one time I messed up. I'm a gee that I was fucking <laughs> off, man. But the other two times, man, I don't even know what y'all are doing, you know? And so the second time I wasn't selling drugs. They got me third time. They got cut off the license. I didn't even have anything to do with this shit. So I was forced to become an entrepreneur. So I had to make a decision like, hey, man, I'm going to I'm going to have to start a business, I guess. But I need to do something that doesn't require a license. So there's no government oversight, something that they're not going to judge my background. You know, it's like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? And um, I signed up for network marketing. Right. That was the first thing. Okay. And I started taking a lot of like online marketing and sales courses because I knew how to sell mortgage stuff, but selling mortgages. I know some people may listen to this and go, that's not true. You should be. Bro, it's, it's easy. You're selling money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, man, you need a loan like that. People beg for loans and you're selling the shit. It's an easy ass it's, sell. You know what I mean? And so and, and people that get caught up in the interest rates, not easy selling interest rate. That's because you're selling interest rate. Nobody gives a shit about interest rate, but loan officers. And the sooner they realize that, the better. And so that's that's what I started doing was I had this track record where in 2009 I did um 183 loans right by myself no team no company like a fucking machine right then in 2000 march of 2010 i lost my license i did network marketing for a few months and i figure from learning this stuff it's like network marketing is a great process and a, and a great idea but you gotta it takes a lot of people to make money yep. i wanted so i was used to mortgages where one person i make five ten thousand dollars off of them so in order to make five ten thousand you got ten thousand people in your downline yep. you know in, in multi-level market have that time so this is 2010 mind you xavier i'm like you know what i had started when i got out of prison i started a facebook page in 2008 and about every two, three days, I would post, hey, top producer this month or hanging out with this top realtor or just shit about business because I was thinking that the ex-wife might see that shit and realize I'm not a loser after all. Realize you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you thought that that was, you thought you caught me at peak, but I'm just getting started, you know? Mm -hmm. 
but people started reaching out to me saying, you know, hey, man, I see you with the Facebook post. You want to do my mortgage? And, and I, I realized, like, shit, if I got 500 friends here on Facebook and I put a post in front of them, I don't have to go talk to 500 people to networking event. I don't have to go shake 500 hands or buy a glass of wine. I can just literally have a conversation with them right here. And as long as I stay top of mind, whether them or their friends or somebody thinks mortgages, they're going to think of me, right? So flash forward two years, 2010, top producer and one of the, at the time, Texas Lending here in Texas was the largest uh, lender there, in, largest private lender in the state of Texas. So I'm their top producer and I can't produce anymore. So I start teaching loan officers how to use social media mm -hmm. to generate leads, right? I'm like, hey, this worked for me. And bro, I was so ahead of the game that I would charge $100 to like, hey, I, I, will, I will run your social media for $100 a month. And people are like, man, I don't even know about this Facebook shit. You know, last year I made 20 million bucks from Facebook. You know, like in 2022, we took $20 million from Facebook. No ads, all referrals, 100% fucking organic in our, our Apex business. And so like these people back then wouldn't, that's how like, I'm one of the first people in this industry and nobody believed it. They called it Spacebook back then. I don't know about Spacebook, you know, <laughs> but 2012, it started picking, picking up a little bit for me. Now, mind you, at that point, I got two years in this grind, you know, and, and, and people not believing in social media and shit like that. But one day I, because of social media, I talked to this guy named Frederick Eklund. Uh, he's on Million Dollar Listing New York, big okay. real estate broker. And that was like my big break because him and I partnered up and I made him the face of a program and I was right. teaching the same shit on the background. But like, who am I? I'm just Ryan, the loan officer from Texas Lending. This guy's on TV. So when he says it works, you know, he's got the social proof and everything. He must be somebody employee. He is. He's brilliant anyway. But, you know, the perception is the reality with That's him. So I put him up as the face like, hey, all you got to do is show up and read these scripts and teach and I'll go do everything else. And we end up making really good money and what happened right. because of that and when i say good money that, that dude makes 100 million a year we we made like billion bucks or something like <laughs> that you know what i mean <laughs> light work for him but it's life-changing for me at the time you know and uh but what happened is now i got all these realtors because of frederick that are following me and connected to me and everything else so i went back to the loan officers was like not only can i teach you how to use social media i can start pairing you up with realtors so then i became this like unstoppable network force where you're a loan officer you come in buy our program and then you get good at the stuff i put you down with lender with uh, real estate agents who will send you deals and make you the money back that you put in our program so i had this whole machine working i did that all the way up till 2017 and uh realized that hey i can go bigger than just loan officers you know it's like i'd only been dealing with loan officers and realtors and so for the last five years now uh, six years going on six years um, we just help entrepreneurs across the board. So I throw some of the biggest events. Last year, we had 3,000 people here in Frisco, Texas at our event with Rick Ross performing, David Goggins speaking, Eric Thomas, Ed Milet. This year in June, we're going to run it back. It'll probably, it'll probably be about 5,000 people this year. And, uh, and I have an exceptional lineup of speakers. And uh, like, so, you know, it's just over time, oh, yeah. man, 14 fucking years in this grind of doing this. And, you know, now it's like, oh, he has multiple Lamborghinis and tractors and ranches and all the big real estate portfolio and restaurants. But it's just been little by little over a long period of time. A lot of struggles give me the wisdom to get where I'm at today. You know, mm -hmm. man, man, you see that, that was deep, man. I got I got uh, a lot of things I want to touch on. But first, I want to say regarding the event, because a lot of people are going to hear and see this episode. So y'all just tap in. Y'all tap in. Make sure y'all definitely 
uh, rocking and tap tap in with this event, man, because this is gonna be dope, man. Like, say you got three thousand people, five thousand this year. This is gonna be a, a, a beautiful thing for people to attend. So definitely, uh, everybody that's listening and watching, make sure y'all tap into this event because I'm gonna be there for sure, man. Right here, right here in my backyard, I'm gonna be there. Yeah, the guy that hooked us up, Donovan, was on my panel last year. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and we run a different kind of event. It's very diverse crowd. It's like could be because since it's for everybody, it could be real estate agents, could be a doctor. Could be a lawyer in the crowd. It's all so many that, people. You know what I mean? It's not just one niche like a lot of these are, right? Right, right. And and neither are the speakers. You know, you might have somebody like E.T. who's just a motivational guy. Then last year we had Kurt Lennington, who's the top roofing company in the world, come in and show what door knocking's like. You know what I mean? So so it, it it's across the board. The way that we do it is I, I get bored easy, you know, so I go True. to an event, you know, and, and like you go to Tony Robbins, they got you bouncing around all the shit. I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to like Xavier, you're cool, but I'm not going to give you a shoulder way. massage. We just met, I'm you know what I mean? Here, it's not my thing. And, the same way. And, and I don't got 14 hour days for four days in a row to do. That's just not me. Right. right. Then, you know, you go some places, I'll pitch and, and hype and buy my shit. You know what I mean? I don't really like that either. I, I'm not knocking either one of those methods. It's just not for me. I wanted to create something that was, that would kind of work for the introvert, kind of work for the person. Person that wanted yeah, the network too, yeah. where you know I don't want to go to the event, but Rick Ross is performing tonight with Mike Jones and Twista, so I should probably show up for that, right? Right. So there's there's enticements like, hey, you're going to sit ten hours and and learn business seminar stuff like you go to, but in the nighttime, instead of you taking off and going and get drunk with strangers, we got a big ass badass concert where you just get to stay in the same place. You ain't got to go chasing right. around town and all that stuff. So, right. um, so we do that for three days, man. And it's uh, man, it's exciting because. Yeah. You know, I make uh, relationships with all these speakers, you know, because you start talking to people saying that you can fill up a stadium with people. They they treat you different. They treat you different. They do. You yeah. know, it's not like you're coming to speak to 100 people. Almost right. anybody can do that these days. When you say, hey, I got an arena with 3,000 people going to be there screaming your name that know who you are, like, they, you get treated a little bit different. You know, you get, like, when Ed Milet, who actually I leave tomorrow, I'm speaking on stage with him again on Saturday, and uh, this will be my fifth time that we've shared the stage together in the last two years. And um, like little perks like that is when he comes in town, I give him a ride to the airport, you know. So and, and you know, that gives me an hour or so with someone who's yeah, worth still, a billion bucks who yeah. came from scratch, you know, and, and ability to just have conversations, conversations and stuff. So same, get to run Rick Ross back to the airport, get to ask him some questions. What's funny is I had Rick there. And everybody knows Rick owns a bunch of Wingstops, right? right. And I had the founder of Wingstop there, too, because he lives here in Dallas. His name's Antonio Swad. He found Pizza Patron, Uncle Julio's, and Wingstop. So I had him speak there, too, but he was running for office at the, t at the time. So I had him speak on his political stuff. And um, and then when Rick showed up, I was like, hey, man, I got the OG here <laughs> from the chicken wing stuff. Man. It, was, it was cool. They had never met, yeah, but, it, but it was like, hey, man, I bought hundreds of your franchises, you know what I mean, that's kind crazy. of thing. So dope, it was pretty cool for them to, to to get to meet each other, you know. And that's, that's man, like, like I said, man, make sure y'all definitely uh, pay attention and tap in. So you said June, right? Yes, June. Oh, First okay. weekend of June here in Dallas. You can okay. go to um, millionaire, milliondollarmasterminds.com. Okay. That, like I said, tap in, man. I want to ask you this, though, because you mentioned this, too. You said last year you made $20 million on Facebook. No ads. No ads. How the hell did you do that? Uh, it's not easy. You know, uh, I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, this is the, my three-step hack to fucking, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? This, <laughs> right. Um, first of all, I've been doing this for 14, 14 years now. Uh Second, I started podcasting in 2011. I think really? I'm on like episode 2000 and something podcast. Yeah. 
Um, we got millions and millions of, of listeners over the years. You know, it didn't even really pick up till 2017. So I was in this business for six it. years for nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Because nobody listened to podcasts back then. Right. Nobody even knew what like, it was. Like, hey, I got a podcast. Cool. What's that? It's kind of like SoundCloud, but for, you know, for entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. But um, so, you know, I, uh, I got this podcast and over the years... I have just added a few clients over like, you know, maybe year one, I had 50 clients throughout the whole entire year. You know what I mean? It's three, four clients a month. Then year two, I kept 40 of those and then added another 50. So now I'm close to 90. You know what I mean? Then year three, I got 90 plus I add another 50. Now I'm sitting at 140 and, and so on and so forth. Now you fast forward 14 years, I got 2000 clients. Crazy. So I, I never stopped. Like a lot of people, and this is, this is what I call a power move. A lot of people, it's like, one month for six months, they're in the house flipping. Then the next six months, they're in the short-term rentals with apartments. Then the next six months, they're a coach. And then the next six months, they're offering some digital shit with AI. Right. It's like, man, you never really let the good shit set in. You know mm. what I mean? That's like you're constantly having business one-night stands. You never get to experience what it's like to be in love. And, mm. and for me, and that's I, what the magic happens. I'm in love with my business, man. What, see, so many people want this late, sexy thing you know like it's just like it's like a one night stand they want the sexy latest thing when in reality billions come from the boring mm. you think you you don't ever see bill gates out there in the prime you don't ever see him out there hyped up promoting and shit like nope. that no, i mean he's doing nerd shit you know what i mean like right. really my buddies that are billionaires that it's it's not the stage speaking or the whatever that made them billionaires it's the nights crunching numbers and digging into kpis and shit that's boring as fuck that nobody wants to do that's what made them rich right and so for, for me, I, I got an offer finally about 2014 that worked. We call it Apex, right? And I just stuck with it this whole entire time. I haven't changed my offer. I haven't changed my game. I haven't changed the, the way that we do things. It's just been the same. Offer. So I become reliable. Because what happens in any industry is like they watch people do the six-month cycle, but somebody that's been around four or five, ten years, they're like, man, this dude's stable. He's, he's clearly consistent. He's mm -hmm. clearly been able to, to – he hasn't been ran out of the industry, so he's clearly getting some sort of results or he wouldn't be fucking around with the same offer all these years later. And so I, I call that a power move because so many people miss the true power of longevity. Damn. You know, I have, I have so many friends that – you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Year one, I'm 14 years into this. Year one, I make 100 grand. Okay, sounds like a lot, but you got business expenses. So year one, I'm in poverty, right? <laughs> year, year two, you make 200 grand, right? So now you're in like property plus, you know, because you're still investing in your business. It's not like you take 200 like grand from sales. It. You're like, hey, man, I'm just paying my bills. Not taxes. It's not how it works, right? Uh, and usually at that level, you, your taxes, you're spending all your money anyway, so you don't really have a whole lot of taxes. And exactly. finally, year, year three, half a million. And this is if you double. Year four, now you're at a million. So four years before you finally have a million dollar year, right, which is when taxes come in, when you need the money the most, now you got to pay it. That's the whole other story, right? <laughs> but then year, year five, it's two million. Then year six, it's four million. Then year seven, it's eight million. And then year eight where i'm at nine ten gets 20 million and it's not huge leaps you see what i'm saying mm. it's not like overnight we went from 
And I remember I, uh, watching these guys that ride these six-month roller coasters. Like, man, he just had a million-dollar month. I never had a million-dollar month. You know, I just go back to work. And man, a lot of those, all of those people like that, they're not around anymore, you know, and, and I'm, I thank God that I never got one of those million dollar months. So I never lost, I never lost my humility. I never lost my ability to work hard. I never lost my will to do that shit. And I'm thankful now because I built something long term that's hard to take from me versus something that just popped up overnight without a relationship. I've got clients been with me seven, eight, nine years paying 50, $60,000 a year. You can't keep hundreds of people like that, like I do. So when you say, how do we take 20 million from Facebook? It's been this, these repeating people over and over. Oh, we have 20,000 members of our, I'm sorry, 2,000 members of our program uh, that have paid $1,000 to $2,500 to become a member. Then we got 300 that paid $10,000 a year. Then we have uh, another 200 and maybe 15 at this point that pay $60,000 a year. So when you do that math, that right there's $14 million before we even get into seminars and all the other stuff that we do to drive people into those programs. So um, the way that we get it from Facebook is I have a, I like groups. And so back since 2012, I've been all over groups and I run the largest sales group on Facebook. It's called Sales Talk with Sales Pros. Got about 120,000 members and it's real members, man. I got 10 people that full-time moderate that thing and make sure that we don't get spam and all that stuff in there. So, um, but we have a system of posting in there, engaging with people. They know who we are. They want to be a part of what we've got, getting our clients to go in there and talk about their experiences. Right. So I have um, the Sales Talk with Sales Pros group. I have a book club that is 3,000, 3,500 people called Readers or Leaders. Just sharing books and stuff. And so we read the same book, the same 10 pages every day. So like right now we're reading David Goggins, who's a friend of mine, friend's a loose word because David doesn't really have friends. But right. I know, I've known David since 2017. I helped him, I helped him write the first book that he wrote. Okay. Um, he, uh, we read the same 10 pages a day. And this, if you got a team of people that work for you, this is awesome too. Those of you that are out there because we take book like David's and we say, okay, it's just 301 pages long. So we got 30 days, 31 days in, in January. So we got 10 a day. Sometimes it works out to eight pages. Sometimes it's 14 or 15, but we split the book up 30 days. So we're all reading on the same pace. Then we have the discussion about it. But my team that works for me, my employees, my executives, they're all reading at the same pace too. So that when we imagine if we all just went and watched the movie on Friday, we go back to work Monday and we're like, hey, what about that one scene with this? Right. So now we're doing that with books. Mm, and how, how has that impacted you and your business, you feel? Well, so getting people what when I'm I've written 13 books. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I've written thir, thir, I'm pretty sure it's 13, maybe 14, but uh, I've published 13 books. So about every third month, I slide one of mine in there too. Mm. So you know, it's so that I'm not always promoting my shit, but like once every third or fourth month, then I've got one that slides in there too. And you know, obviously people want to reach out. I'm the administrator of that group, so when I'm telling you, hey, what books to buy and stuff like that, what happens, man, is people slide in my DMs and they're like, man, what do you do for a living or you know, how, how you, you know, how do you get all these people how or how you successful or whatever? And I always just do this. I say, Hey man, I'd love to talk to you. Give me your phone number. They give me their phone number. I send it to my sales team. They call them every time. And they say, Hey man, what are you looking for? We, we have our powerful question that we ask is, Hey, what made you decide to reach out? If you'll ask somebody that and shut up, that's the most powerful question in sales because really? they make that's that question. What made you decide to reach out to me? It, it implies that you made a decision and I'm part of that decision. So I say, like, Hey, what made you decide to reach out to me? You don't think nothing of it. Simple question, but the subconsciousness that's going on there, 
is it's it's pre-programming you that one of the hardest things to do is get a human being to make a decision right like hey what you want to go eat i don't know what do you want like we need that shit to live what do you mean you don't know you know but because when when people have intentions it comes with consequences right so people don't like to have intentions so that they can avoid consequences and stay Mm. neutral and safe and everything else but when you tell somebody hey what made you decide and they tell they they answer that they're implying that they made a decision and you're involved. So you've already got them to do one of the hardest things there is to get a human being to do is decide something. And now you got to get them to make a complete decision. So say, Hey, what made you decide to reach out? They'll usually tell you, Hey, well, you know, I saw your post and you know, I saw how you post about the book. I need somebody in my life that can guide me with that kind of shit. Perfect. That's what we do. So literally that little simple, I know it sounds like unbelievable. Like that little simple strategy is like, it's, it, it is worked to the tune of 20 last year, 10 the year before that, five the year before, you know what I mean? Like, like to the tune of probably somewhere around a hundred million dollars at this point, that's if crazy. not close to it. So that's, that's some uh, heavy and valuable game. I want to ask you this. I want, I want to go back into sales, but before that, I want to ask you, cause we, uh, you was talking about revenue and stuff like that, especially for beginners. And it's something that I say on the podcast multiple times. I caught a lot of flack in one post. I had a post to go viral. People was on my ass. I said a hundred thousand, it's really in business is nothing when you get to that point annually because that's just the reality. It's really no money, especially when you got expenses, you got a business like them. It's, it's gone. But people was like, how the hell, what the fuck you mean? That's a lot of money. I could be comfortable. I was like, all right, y'all do that then. I'm telling y'all from experience, it's nothing. So the question I want to ask you is, in your opinion, where do you think, what number is rich? Where does the rich start? Not even wealthy, just rich. Um, well, there was a study done by the top... 10 they they surveyed the top 10 money managers no i'm sorry they surveyed the money managers in the top 10 financial institutions bank of america wells fargo chase e-trade all this shit right they said what did they they i'm gonna say it in my terms but they said what do you consider fuck you money right Right. and they said 25 million dollars in assets or more right so that now now hear me out this is where this see i have this ranch right and on the ranch uh i got a lease back to the rancher and he thinks with a scarcity mindset. See, I'm, I'm going to compare something here because most people think with a scarcity mindset. So he's got 110 cows on my land. Right. And those cows may weigh 600 pounds, 700 pounds a piece. I'm just throwing numbers out there, right? Mm-hmm. Six, 700 pounds a piece because there's so many cows and not enough grass. If he got rid of 40 of those cows, those cows might go to 900 pounds each. Those 40, that's more beef than the 110 in the first place. But they got this scarcity mentality that you got to pack all you can in there, right? So most people, they live their entire life that way, right? And and what I mean by that is they have this scarcity mentality, so they come up with excuses. Well, $25 million, I'll never have that, blah, blah, blah. But what, what they didn't say was $25 million in cash. Right. They didn't, I noticed that you they said did, asset. Yeah, they didn't say $25 million sitting around in bricks of gold or diamond or Rolexes or cars. or They didn't say any of that. They said $25 million in assets. You could owe $28 million against the shit. Think about that. That's true. You, you, and so you, you could have a negative net worth and still have what's considered fuck you money. Because when you get to a point, and this is what fucks people up, when you get to a point where you can get trusted with $25 million, you're, you're like we how many times we see ceos fuck the, the we work guy yeah. fuck the whole oh. company up four billion dollars <laughs> fuck the whole company just raised 390 million dollars last month for another fucking project in the apartment airbnb world 
Why would the hell would they trust him again? Because even though he fucked up, he got he's he's dealt with it before. Dealt with it before. Most people have never even dealt with those size numbers. So it's like, hey man, he fucked it up last time, but he learned. You know what I mean? There's not that many people playing on that size anyway. So it keeps people from doing it because they think, oh, I gotta have 25 million in cash. If you got 25 million in cash, you should be a billionaire. Right, like, right. The, you, you, there's no the cash is useless. There's no fucking like it's not useless. You use it for everything, but it doesn't grow. It doesn't sitting grow around more. is a way. It's like having employees that you're paying on the clock that are sitting in the break room playing cards. That's what cash is sitting in the bank. You know, uh, every dollar is an employee that should be working to multiply itself and bring Absolutely. value. And a lot of people don't realize that. So you get to f you money. To me, the point where you're rich is when you're making a million to two million dollars a year. Yeah. Here's why. Um, I've been making that or more a year for the better part of eight years now, right? And it consistently, it's different. You make it one year and then you have a slow year. I'm talking about consistently, right? right. right? So year one, let's say I make a million bucks, my first million dollar year, never mind the six figures that it took to get there and all that shit, right? But let's just say year one, I got a million dollars. Okay, I'm gonna go buy a house. It, let's say a five hundred thousand dollar house. I got to put twenty percent down, ten percent down on that. So let's call that a hundred grand out of my million. I got to pay four hundred grand in taxes, right? So half a million dollars gone already. So now I'm sitting at forty thousand dollars a month in income, and I got a ten thousand dollar month mortgage and tax payment on my house. I still need two cars, so now I got another. Two, I can't try no broke shit because I'm a millionaire now. So now I got two Benz payments that are a thousand fifteen hundred dollars each. So now I'm three grand in there, plus the insurance to cover them. Plus I got this that. So next thing you know, man, you really only got about seventeen to twenty thousand dollars coming in when you're playing on that level, right? Now we're not talking about a million gross in your company and all this shit. I'm talking about a million I'm to you that you're gonna pay taxes on, right? And so, and and so when you get to that point, year one, okay, cool. I spent all this money, man. I got like fifty grand left out of my million dollars. Year two, you don't need that shit no more. You already bought the car. You already bought the house. Year three, you got a million dollars again. You already, then all of a sudden you can start investing it and growing that shit because you already bought all you the initial all stuff. The There's a, uh, <clears throat> I think it's Dave Ramsey video where someone says, you know, hey, I just inherited $10 million and, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy a Lamborghini. I'm going to buy a, a $6 million mansion. I'm going to buy a jet, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you're broke. You spent $10 million before you even fucking got it. You're broke. All that's gone. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? How are you going to pay for jet fuel, gas for the Lamborghini? You're broke. You know, and so many people think of it that way. For me, I look at it as, you know, if you can make a million to $2 million a year, there is really nothing they can touch you with. If it's consistent, again, you make a million dollars a year, one time you're a one hit wonder, one and done. That's not it. But Man, think about all these old dudes around here that have been making millions. Been making just let's just say they've been making five hundred thousand dollars a year, but they're fifty-five years old and they've been doing that since they were in their thirties. Those fuckers got forty, fifty million dollars in assets sitting around minimum, unless they got a coke problem or some shit, right? Right, right. gambling and, addict. Or something. And so you know, at this point, it becomes you know my full-time job is to figure out where to spend money. I know that sounds crazy, but we got growing businesses and everything else. If not, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna get taxed on it. So I got to figure out where to invest it, where to spend it. I just spent two hundred thousand dollars today on dirt work on a ranch. You know what I mean? Like moving earth and shit, pouring a road, uh, digging out ponds and stuff like that. You know, because we get because we get improvements and we get agriculture credits and shit over there towards taxes, right? Mm, so, right, so, right, but right. I'm having to learn that. all this stuff. The reason why I own 115 fucking head of cattle is because of the benefits that come along with owning a ranch with cattle and shit like that. But you have to, 
these are the things that I'm I'm now diving into and learning about, right? Let me tell you, man, you got a farmer with a couple tractors, a bunch of head of cattle and some some land and shit. That motherfucker's a baller. He got more money than any of your Instagram influencers would have. That's what I'll be hearing. I'll be I hearing just that. told you two hundred dollars to move some fucking dirt, bro. It's like fucking it's a whole different world, man. Whole different world. That's but that's that's one thing I've been hearing about farmers. I, I, I heard somebody say that recently. It was like those are the ones that really got the bag. The ones that got uh, 200, 300, 1,000 acres, they got it for real. So they... I got 400 acres. I have a client that has 48,000 acres. He just spent $4 million on seed for his property for the year. Like, like, just on seed. Yeah, just on seeds. <laughs> it's level. It's, it's, man, it's, it's crazy to see that it's just levels to everything. You know, I got another client. I got another client that has 38,000 acres in uh, South Texas that they run 240,000 head of cattle on. No, I'm sorry. Altogether, it's 535 acres with 240,000 units of cattle, which is two, a mama cow and a calf. Uh, but he has 38,000 of those acres with like, I think 15,000 cattle head on it. This is unreal. By the way, that's bigger than the city of Frisco. 38,000 acres, 32,000, 48,000 is bigger than Plano and Allen together. <laughs> Right, this is fucking homie's ranch. That's you know, ridiculous. he owns it. So, mm, that's ridiculous, man. What have you uh, learned or realized about money at this level that previously that you you thought you had the idea on something, but it was completely wrong, or it's something that was proven? It could have been proven correctly. The biggest, <clears throat> the biggest thing that I fought and didn't believe in is the debt equation. Let me give you some math. I'm gonna fuck everybody up that doesn't know this already, and because it always does, right? But you, we, I grew up like a Dave Ramsey guy, so I want to be debt free, and I don't like debt and all that shit, right? And that's cool. You make a hundred grand a year, being debt free is amazing because you don't have debt. Yeah. There's a lot of money actually, right? Uh, you make two hundred grand a year, debt free. That's 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 great. You know, if you want to live a, I'm not gonna say an average life, but a comfortable life, right? But when you get to where you make a million dollars for a few years in a row, it's eight figures for a couple years in a row, like debt becomes your friend because interest is tax deductible and if what you pay on interest you don't pay income taxes so think about this if if i make a million dollars i'm gonna spend it i make a million dollars i owe 43 percent income tax on that roughly that's four hundred and thirty thousand dollars, right but if i borrow a million dollars at seven percent fucking interest rate at 10 12 20 fucking percent interest rate it doesn't fucking matter 20 i'm still half of what taxes are yep. you follow me mm -hmm. so if i borrow that money then i'm offset i'm never showing a profit because everything i do is borrow it and it right. all goes back to pay the fucking bank on my behalf i'm not touching it it's going back to pay the bank to where the bank gives me a line of credit i'm constantly borrowing on and all my shit goes back to pay the bank and supposed to pay me so you play this game of debt where now all of a sudden i'm margining i'm in debt like a motherfucker but i'm margining seven percent for my expenses versus fucking 43 for taxes you see the difference there That's and, crazy. And, and and again it's a mathematical game and, and so what i've learned over the years is two things paperwork fixes everything whatever you dream of as long as you got a paper tray you want to go murder somebody the right signature the right paper tray you've been in the military <laughs> Right? You've been in the military. The right signature, the right call. You go murder somebody. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You you're a literally you're a gang banging, drug dealing, bad fucking gang, like horrible person, but you're in with the DEA, they'll sign papers for you to carry a gun. 
You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, they'll sign papers for you to go get the drugs that you literally. need to carry on. You literally, if you get the right connection and paperwork. So the same thing works for the tax system. That's why people hated Trump. He came out and he said, like Chappelle said, he said, I use the same system myself. You know what I'm <laughs> and, and I, I started looking into that. I was like, man, these billionaires, they say they don't pay taxes, which is a lie. You and I know they got payroll taxes, property taxes. There's some shit you can't avoid. And they get tax breaks because... This building, they may not have paid fucking taxes for 10 years on right. this building, but the 11th year, this motherfucker will bring a lot of money to the, the, city, the city, you know, yep. and, and that's the benefit they give businesses for saying, hey, for the next 150 years, this is going to be here bringing us $20 million a year in taxes, so we're going to let we'll you skate the first five, exactly. Uh, you can't do that. We're not playing at that level. So you get to learn this paperwork game and you start saying, oh, these companies, that's why you don't hear Apple has a trillion dollars in cash. You hear that they have lines at Goldman Sachs and shit and they, they, they report just enough to make the shareholders happy. You know what I mean? Like that's the line that they're playing. So I start watching that. It's like, wow, you can really leverage debt as a tool. You really can. And and it costs less, and the banks love dealing with you. Again, it's that FU money. I'm at $20 million, right? I have way bigger net worth than that, but at $20 million in assets with my bank, it's only a matter of time. But I've seen the last, just yesterday, I put a post out, some of my friends in our little chat, I said, hey, man, I found like five homes. If y'all want to buy some, they're probably $600,000 or so each, but I think I'm going to buy them. But if y'all want to throw in with me, you can. You know, they're DR Horton homes. It was like crickets, like whatever, right? So it's like, oh, fuck, I'll buy them myself. So I sat down last night at dinner at Mika Casino over here with my wife, and across the table was my banker. He was just sitting like one table over, and I was like, oh, hey, I went over and shook his hand. I was like, hey, man, by the way, um, I got these five houses I need to pick up, man. I think I'll just like get a line of credit with you and just go scoop them up real quick. He was like, yeah, call me tomorrow. I'll get you fixed up. And this is exactly what he said. You're good for it. You got history with us. Call me tomorrow. I'll get you fixed up. That's where I'm headed in the banking mm. world where I ain't got to go. And eventually I got to sign papers. But if right. I need something right now, I don't have to. Today, I had $20,000 worth of lawnmowers delivered to my office. <laughs> and, um, and the company that delivered them, it, you know, you go to a dealership, you got to sign shit for you walk out of there. The company delivered them to me, didn't even have me pay for them until they got back to the place. Right, that's like unheard of, but because they see my credit, they see our assets and shit like that, they're like, oh, you're good he's for good it. for it because I've been trusted with a hundred grand and did good, been trusted with two hundred grand, did good, now I'm trusted with a hundred million and I'm still doing good, so they'll let me do whatever the hell that I need to do as long as I'm not wire fraud type. Right, doing some bullshit. You know? And how I wanna ask you this, with that being said, how long did it take you to build that relationship where they started trusting you with big amounts of money like that? So um, I made a mistake of banking with Bank of America since like 2004. Oh, shit. And, and I just like, they were big bank and, right. you know, whatever. And, and they're online shit. So about 20 till 2021. And uh, one day I met another banker. I'm buying this building that's $10 million over here. And I, I, I met another banker and he says, hey, man, I'll do the loan for you. Fuck Bank of America. You're never going to get anywhere with them. I was like, all right, cool. So this is a local guy. I end up doing the deal with him. And he's like, hey, man, I'm looking at all your stuff. Why don't you bring your deposits over here? Bank of America ain't doing shit for you anyway. So I end up bringing millions of dollars over to his bank. So let's say I have five million bucks, okay, just like in cash and then $5 million in a loan. At Bank of America, ten million dollars in assets ain't shit. You know what I mean? They're they're holding you know they're holding institutional money for yep, billions. billions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. But at my bank, 
you know, shit, ten million dollars. That's a good. That's a good customer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. I'm. I'm. I'm maybe one percent of the wealth in there at that point. You know what mm. I mean? And so, so I mean something to them. So I got that relationship. So the biggest thing that I would tell people is get the fuck out of the big banks now and go on and and start that. Even if you're making fifty grand a year, start the relationship with the credit union. Go borrow when you go buy your next vehicle. Go start. Have an account at the credit union. When you go buy and borrow money at your next vehicle, don't do it through the dealership. Call the credit union where you already got an account. Most likely, they'll do a loan for you if your credit's not absolutely in shambles anyway. And sometimes they'll do it that way. Build that relationship with them. And then when you get to a point, if you got money, you can move over there and instant a relationship. But if you're on the come up, man, and they see that you're good with your vehicle loan, they see you're good with a credit card loan, they see that you're good with these things over the course of five years, they'll start giving you more shit. That's some that's some heavy game. Man. I but, never heard but they of they can't other... give you the shit overnight. Everybody wants everything overnight. Right. But if I give you a million dollars overnight, you don't know what the fuck a million dollars looks like, feels like, tastes like, or as a responsibility of I'll ruin your life instead of making it better. Literally, you'll ruin your life. I will ruin your life, no, right? Seriously. So that banks understand that, right? We we seen this happen. This is a this is a prime example. In 2020, we gave everybody millions of fucking dollars. Hey, stay home. Here's unemployment, here's crypto, <laughs> here's stocks, whatever you need. Here's PPP. What did they do? They Blew stopped it. fucking working. They <laughs> Stop fucking doing everything, right? We thought we should have the most productive society, society with money everywhere. We should have a fucking utopia right now. And instead, we got a bunch of fucking people that are going, man, fuck, I don't want to go back to the office. I have, and I have no money. That's what they and said. I got no money. Yeah. Because it all returns to guys like me. No, no, seriously. You know, I'm, I'm watching people in my neighborhood pay three, four hundred thousand dollars over list price for a home. Right, They're, like my neighbors, they paid, they paid three million dollars five years ago. I bought the house for less than a million bucks. Like, man, y'all fucking crazy, you know? Well, you better get in on this. Get in on yeah. what? Get in on ripped off? I'm gonna <laughs> wait till y'all gotta sell your shit at a discount. <laughs> and I'm buying because here's here's what a lot of people don't know about North Texas. For the last twenty years, I've been watching foreclosures, pre foreclosures, because in Texas, I don't know if you know this or not, but they only do foreclosures one day of the month. First foreclosure. The foreclosure Tuesday, first Tuesday of every month when they do the auction in front of the courthouse in the entire state of Texas and every county, right? And so you can only buy foreclosures from the county on one day every month, the first foreclosure Tuesday, assuming it's not a federal holiday, then it becomes the second Tuesday, right? So foreclosure Tuesday, there's five counties that I monitor here, Dallas, Denton, Collin, Rockwall, and Tarrant County in the DFW Metroplex, right? So for 17 years, there's three to 5,000 foreclosures in those five counties every, every month. Combined, three to 5,000 every month, like clockwork, going out on Tuesday. 2020 hits. By June, there's six. Not thousand, six. By July, there's like 20 because they put the memorandum and froze them. All the way up till last year in November of 2022, there was 170 that they had filed when I checked it. I just checked. All that shit's over with. This month, 7,000. 7,000 they're about to dump on them, and that's only month fucking one. So people have no idea. It's all those people that paid over on those houses. The reason why there was no inventory is because everybody was getting everybody free rents and nobody rent. moved. So they're like, why aren't you jumping in the greatest real estate thing of all times? Because I'm not fucking stupid. I didn't take an economist to sit back and go, "You, I'm, I got an Escalade, and uh, I bought it from the manufacturer. I ordered it in 2021. And by the end of 2021, they delivered to me. I paid MSRP, right, on the, right. On the Escalade, which 
at that time was a good deal. Usually I paid less than that. I'm gonna, that's what you do with cars. You go negotiate down to the, the uh, what do you call it? The invoice, right? And so anyway, MSRP, because cars were going for a lot more. Shit, there's people right next to me paying 50 grand over sticker because they want it now. Oh yeah, I gotta have it. I'll pay 50 grand over. So 50 grand, fuck, that's half a car. But, right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you marking it up 33, you, you, this car's 150 and you're adding 50 to it, man. You're marking the shit up 33%. That's crazy. And and I watch people do this and guess what? Six months from now, I was like, oh, the dealer ripped me <laughs> up. No, nah, bitch, you paid 50 grand over what they, the that's manufacturer exactly they says, we think it's worth this. And you went, nah, fam, right. it's worth this. <laughs> like, dude, that's on you. So oh. these people will blame everything else. They'll blame the government, Biden, Trump, whoever it is that yep. they want. But the truth is they were overpaying for shit. I read a statistic that uh, just last week in the Wall Street Journal that said Generation Z, the people below us, right? I'm 43, so maybe you fit into that. But the people who are 35 and below, I believe, is, is Gen Z. Those folks, majority of them in their 20s still live at home. Live but at they home. are the biggest buyer of Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Balenciaga, and high-end brands of all of us. So you got to figure the boomers are fucking rich by now because your biggest earning years are your 60s and 70s, believe it or not. Right. So the boomers are rich as shit right now. And their generation, our parents, whatever they're called after that generation X, they're doing well. We're Y. We're all right. Z's like, ah, we're going to live at home and fucking support Gucci. That's crazy. We want, we want everything. It's yeah. our generation. We want that shit immediately. Still you see today, doing it? I, I, I own a bunch of Louis Vuitton shit. Never bought any of it. Everybody, it's all been gifts to me. All gifts. I was on, and I always tell people that too. They're like, but you wear it. It's like, because somebody gave it to me. You ain't never seen me in the fucking store. Maybe I buy something for my wife. You know what right, I mean? But right. I'm like, not for me. You know? That's, yo, that's, you just said, man, you just hit me with some um, heavy, some heavy shit that I'm going to be thinking about when we get done. But I want to ask you about this because this is something that's going on right now. And I want to say something. I want your thoughts on it. So I'm not sure if you've seen what's going on with Bank of America right now. People missing money. Huh? People missing money and shit. So right? I didn't tell you the whole story. They just called me one day six months ago and said, we're shutting all your accounts down. This is what they did to me, dog. They shut all my what? All my. Do millions of dollars. I never made it. I never had an NSF in my life. Even when I went to prison, my bills were paid on time. You would pull my credit report. Like I'm, I'm that much of a like keep my word, motherfucker. They send me a stack of letters because I got 17 fucking accounts with them, and they say every credit card, every mortgage, every car loan, every bank account cancel. For Get what? I call them for what? Hey, what? What the fuck happened? It's like I don't know. Our system flagged and kicked you out. We don't want your business. What the fuck do you mean? Right? Like okay. Fine, I can't do business with you guys. What about the gazillion dollars in auto drafts I have coming through these fucking accounts every month? There's shit that I've been paying life insurance policy since my kids were fucking born. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know who the hell the dealer is at this point. It's just auto draft shit that comes through there. 17 accounts, Amex cards, all the shit put against it, phone bills, like rent payments. Like, you talk about a fucking nightmare. It's okay to migrate one thing at a time, man, but 17 overnight, hey, you got 30 days to get the fuck out of our shit was crazy. So what happens is, you know, we stress. I go over and I, with my banker friend that had done the loan for my sub. It's like, hey, man, we coming now. <laughs> we coming right, right, high. right, right. And Bank of America says this. Any debt that you have against us, you got to get somebody to buy it. Get the fuck. Either pay it off or get somebody to buy it. So refinance out of it, right? So if you got a car loan with us, you got to refinance out of it or pay it off. I just paid my truck loan off. And um, which sucked because I had like a 1.9% interest rate. You know what I mean? You couldn't get that again. It doesn't exist anymore. Right. So now I got to pay this fucking thing off. Unnecessary cash that I was getting free money on, right? Again, it's only 50 grand. could have been a lot worse. I could have had my fucking mortgage with that shit or something, you know? So... That happens. We, we, we go on, we get everything fixed. 
and I call, but before I get everything, if I call Bank of America and man, like nobody knows, nobody will give me an answer. Nobody, nobody will talk. Right. So then when I, I flash forward, I see my buddy, David Harris is sharing David Harris Jr. is a good friend of mine. He's sharing some videos of people saying, Hey, Bank of America don't have our money. My secretary hit me up. She's like, God, always looking out for your dumb ass. Cause you, man, if there, if that dude that's on the video is missing 1300, it'll be 1.3 million of my shit missing. Yep. You know what I mean? She's like, God's always like, we were, fuck Bank of America, so stressed and everything else. Like, really, they were doing me a favor. Whatever kicked me out of the system must have been God. Like, hey, man, get your <laughs> money and run, bro. Go with somebody you know. That's crazy. He said this was six months ago. Yeah, so maybe not even that long. It was like maybe October, November. That's crazy, yo, because I seen, I, I found out about this, like, yesterday, day before yesterday. And I, my immediately, first, my first reaction was, this is why I always preach and I believe you need to have your money stashed in different places. I don't give a fuck how much it is because I don't trust not one institution 100%. Because as we know, when recessions, economic downturns happen, usually banks start doing weird shit. Yep. Some bullshit. Your money go we missing. We see that happen in 2008. Every time, right? Yeah. So it's like, you have to, if you got $20,000, it's cool. You might want to keep 10 to 15 in the bank, but you need something for a little stash just in in case of times like this, you wake up, your money fucking gone. Like, what are you going to do if you got all your money in this institution and it's all gone? You need to split it around. You know, I split it around in different accounts because I thought that was the solution, but I should have had different institutions, you know? Mm, right. And uh, and now we do. We have three different places that we bank with. One of them's our main bank with everything else, but I got right. backup Backups. shit in case something goes wrong, you know? And crypto, man. I keep over a million dollars in crypto, too, in case something goes wrong, because I can go overseas and trade that shit anywhere, you know? <laughs> no facts. One of my friends told me, he said, he said, the first thing I did when I got money was I got... I put five hundred thousand dollars in cash money in my safe in my office, and I bought a uh, and I bought an airplane. So no matter what the fuck happens, I'm a pilot. I can fly my money and my ass the fuck out of this yeah, country. Out country. And I'm like, shit. Nowadays, as long as you can catch a charge, you can keep that amount of money on crypto on hand. And no, most seriously. people don't want American cash anyway. You know, it ain't worth shit. Yep. And well, they can't change it. You know what I mean? You can't go to the grocery store if you're in deep in the hood in Guatemala. You can't take American dollars to the grocery store. They ain't gonna do nothing. They don't know the exchange rate. They're used to dealing with their own money, money right but if you go somewhere like that they all got crypto just like we know the exchange rate of ethereum and bitcoin right you know what i mean so right. everybody knows that mm, that's man this is extremely valuable and this this is my final question i got for you and this is for the person that's listening or watching that may be where you was at 15 years ago when you was uh fresh out of jail nothing to your name uh spouse you know what i'm saying left them what's your best piece of advice to that person that feel like there's no way out of this shit. Everybody turned against me. I ain't got nothing right now. Like, what's, what, what, what would you say to that person? So a couple of things. Let me give you two resources. First, go to forceofaverage.com. Forceofaverage.com. You can watch that video. It's free. There's nothing for sale. But it's me explaining how how this algorithm on this planet works. About a 20-minute about a video. Mm. Uh, but it's some deep shit, right? Mm. You, it, it's for smart people only in all mm. reality. Um, the second thing is I created a process called the G-Code. And the G code is uh, the code to being great, right? If you want to be great as a person, because I consider myself a greatness extractor. When you're around me, I want to pull greatness from you. I, can I want tell. you to be I can better. Tell. You know, high energy. And and so the G code is the code to greatness. And and you know, G code in the streets like gangster code right. or whatever. But but I mean, it's like like the code like you code a, a computer. Like you got brackets and you got the code to greatness. Like how we're genetically coded. I don't think God made us and went. You know. Ah, this one's going to be average. I don't think that's what he meant. You know, I think he goes, hey, I'm putting all this potential in this one to be great. Let's see how it turns out. 
you know, right. and then it's up to us to see how we turn out. And so what I've done is I've put a process together that works on the grateful mindset, your genetics, your grind, which is your business and the group of people you spend time with. And if you'll focus on winning in those four areas of your life every single day, see, like I said, the billions are in the borings. So people want to lose 30 pounds in 30 days, people, but then they put it back on in, in 10 days, right? People want to, they want to make a million dollars overnight, but that's not how things, if you read the book of Proverbs, which is written by the richest person to ever live. live, this dude had more boats and hoes than anybody in the planet, <laughs> man, 700 chicks, man. Do you know how much money? it takes to have 700, 700 wives and concubines this dude was doing like like trades that still today have not been duplicated the amount of volume that king solomon was doing and what he said was money that comes overnight spreads wings like an eagle and flies away twice as fast and so i say that same thing with progress with anything anything that you get without working for it you don't respect right so if you're 14 years ago me i would tell you just make that one percent a day because every year while everybody else is committed to be the same, you're committing to be three and a half times of a better man. And at some point, you're going to be 30 and a half times better of a human. So no matter if you were a piece of shit, loser, fucking can't get nothing right, 1% a day, at some point, there's a percentage of compound in your life that makes you a productive human. No matter where you're starting. Now, your 1% might take a long time, but most people, if you say you want a million dollars or a penny doubled every day for 30 days, they'll be like, oh, I want a million dollars. But a right. penny doubled every day for 30 days is like six. 16 million bucks or something like that, right? And so that's the thing. Those 1%, you don't notice it. Every day when I go to the gym, I don't notice that I look any different, right? But somebody I run into somebody ain't seen me in six months like, damn, you looking swole, you're stupid, right. Yeah. right? It's the same thing with that 1%. You don't realize it because you're putting a dollar in your bank account every day, but you look up in five years like, shit, I got a million dollars here with my head down on the grind. So, so many people want this like overnight success and that's a curse because here's the thing about this planet. The struggle makes you stronger. Thanks. You want to get stronger in the gym, you struggle. You want to get stronger in your finances, go struggle. You want to get stronger in your relationships, push that shit to the struggle. Because when you learn how to deal with struggle and overcome it, it makes you it makes you protected and it makes you bulletproof to anything Thanks. the world can throw at you. So like for me, when financial struggle comes my way, this, I don't get all mad and bent out of shape anymore. I used to, but now I understand that this is a blessing God's given me. And the second that I beat this, this struggle, the Your second I get over so this much. struggle, God will high five me and send me to the next level exactly. every time. So I get excited for struggles because I get to get, I get to struggle through the wisdom and get stronger on the other end of it. You know, that's the, that's so some, that's bottom deep. line, it's just don't give up. Your friends will try to convince you to the force of average will try to convince you to you'll think it's not working. There's not a day goes by, even at this level that I'm like, fuck, man, I can get my shit together, man. You know, is this even thing ever going to hit? Is this thing ever going to, this is always somebody else. I hang out with Ed Milet tomorrow. That guy's worth a billion bucks, you know, 10, 15 times what the fuck I'm worth. I'm like, man, shit, am I ever going to get to that level? I said, even, should I even be, I got them same feelings too, mm, you know, mm. but it would be easy for me to sit around all my old friends and be like, look how rich I am. It's nice up here. Fuck y'all. You know, but instead I'm trying to get somebody that'll let me in their circle that's way ahead of me. And man, it, it keeps me that same inadequacy. It's like, yeah, man, that's deep, you know? bro. And I, and I, I, that's so deep because I think people lose sight of it. When you, when they see somebody at your level, when they think, man, they overcome all the things that I want to overcome. How do they even do that? I think, I think people lose sight that you still human too. At the end of the day, I was listening to this, um, it's so funny. I was listening to this this new J. Cole song, song earlier, and he said, I wish I was more fearless. And then I was thinking, like, that's funny because I'm sure the average listener that looks up to him probably sees him as this person that's just going after it and winning and winning and winning without realizing 
he's just a man. He still has those same feelings and thoughts, yep. but he's just overcoming it. And he's moving anyway. You know what I'm saying? I think so many of us, we have those feelings, but we let it stop us. We like, fuck, I'm just going to stand still, paralyzed, instead of just, I'm scared, but I'm going to move anyway. We just yep. going to see what happens. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's really deep. But when you said struggle, I just want to ask you this real quick. Do you think, because I, I asked the internet this a while back, and I got a lot of reaction. Well, I asked, for, for, men, for men specifically, is struggle necessary? It is, because struggle makes you stronger, unless you want to be a weak bitch. But if you never struggle, you never get tested, right? Never. Like, I don't know what I made up. If I never fought another man in my life, I don't know if I'm a bitch or not. You know what Facts. I mean? But I've tested that, so I know I'm not, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, and But some people, they go through their whole life. Like, they bro. never got in a fight. They don't know if they can or not. They don't know if they can protect their family or not. They don't know if someone comes through the door, they can hold them off or not. You know what I mean? Like, so as a man, you have to struggle. That's why we have athletics and sports and stuff like that, so that we can struggle and measure ourselves so that we know yep. where we stand and in life. Because as a man, we got we to gotta know where we stand. Like, mm -hmm. like, I walk into a room with, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who's a friend of mine, like like he's the, he's the alpha male in the room. There's nothing I can no force or strength or anything I can do with him. Like he's a dominant force in that, right? But on the opposite end, he walks into the boardroom with us. He's sitting there quiet because I'm the dominant force in there, right? So we're always comparing ourselves to where we are. And as men, we're always looking for mentors and equals. You know, mm. and the mentors teach us to struggle their struggles, which make us better. And the equals are people that are going through the struggle because we like to have somebody in the fox house with us, that, in the foxhole with us that we can, we can bounce ideas off of. Man, shit's hard. It's hard for me too, but keep going, dog. Keep going. You know, keep going. just keep like going. you go work out. I got a, a personal trainer in the gym. I work out on my own. There's no way I'm gonna work out as hard as just another man standing behind me going push one more rep, motherfucker. You know what I mean? That that right. that just that voice and that man challenging me makes me do better make every you day. Do better. That's deep. Man. Man, that's the, I want to say, man, before we wrap up, I really appreciate you because not only did you give a lot of value to our listen to my listeners today, but you gave a lot of value to me. I'm gonna re-listen to this episode as soon as it's done because you brought a lot of value, a new uh, change of perspective in a lot of things you said. So I appreciate you for that. But You're welcome. Before I let you go, do you mind plugging all your stuff where people can find you, follow you, get your books, everything you got? Just plug it. Cool. So uh, I got 13 books. They're all good. Um, in, in reality, if you're you're not a prolific reader and you're like, look, Stu, I'm not reading 13 books. Uh, Hardcore Closers is my life story. We're in the middle of making a Hollywood movie about that right oh, now. Um, I got LOIs from Danny Trejo, Chuck Liddell, and... Um, uh, That's dope, man. Congrats. Brooke Smith. So we've we've got, you know, uh, a long way to go, but we're putting some shit down for that. Uh, G-Code is the process. The book G-Code is the process that you can become better every single day. That's probably the most important book. And I wrote a book last year called The Example. Um, which I think we need more of. We need people that are examples. You know, right. we need people that are, hey, we see somebody that's an example and then we find out that they're not who we thought they were. Mm -hmm. You know, like like Hollywood puts people up all the time that we don't think, they're not who we, they think we are. We need examples, real ones. So those books you can grab on Amazon. Listen, if, if you follow my pages on social media, I'm never going to slide in your DMs and ask you for crypto. I'm man, never going to slide man, in your DM period. first anyway. Like, like, you have to hit me up. Yeah. I'm not going to hit you up. So I will never ask you. And, and it's not my account if it doesn't have a blue check next to it. So... Mm. Hardcore Closer on Instagram is me. There's a blue check next to it. Real Ryan Stuman on Facebook is me. There's a blue check next to it. Ryan Stuman YouTube channel, Twitter, everywhere it, that it has a blue check, that's actually me. Anything else is suspect as a motherfucker, right? Just, just telling you guys because at this level, that's what happens, right? You go follow my page and sometimes people slide your DMs and mm -hmm. some bullshit. So um, if you are 
look wondering kind of what the hell I do for a living, you can go check out jointheapex.com. Uh, the big event that I talked about is milliondollarmastermind.com. And lastly, if you're an entrepreneur and you need leads, uh, like you're trying to figure out a way to shake more hands so you can make more money, you can go to phonesites.com. I own that software. It's the fastest, easiest way for you to get leads online in existence. Whether you're a grandparent or a grandkid, you can do this shit without any technical training from your phone, without even a computer, phonesites.com. Thanks for having me on, Xavier. No, appreciate it, man. We're going to have to do this again, man. I, I, like I said, you brought a lot of value, and I know for a fact the listeners, they're going to love this episode. I'm gonna get a lot of, We're going to get a lot of feedback on this. And that's all we have for this episode. You guys can follow me on all platforms. I'm at Xavier uh, C. Miller. I'm at the official Xavier Miller on Instagram. That's my new IG. Y'all can follow me on that Mindsets Podcast everywhere. And that's all I have for you guys on this episode. See you guys next episode. Peace. Later. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody voucher. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.